0: Welcome to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. This special series features some of Milwaukee's most distinguished leaders. They'll share how they overcame challenges, developed their skills, and achieved success, so you can gain insight and inspiration. And now, Leadership is in Session. Hello, everybody. Today, we are in the studio with one of my favorite people, our friend and our colleague, Faith Colis, And we are here to talk with Faith, who is the president of Vaughn Communications, about the power of story. Welcome, Faith.
1: Thank you, Becky. You're one of my favorite people, too. I actually love hanging out with you and just doing girl stuff. Right. I do too. And in fact, even before we
0: started recording this episode, you and I were having a great conversation that really wasn't relevant for what we're talking about today. But it did make me think that perhaps there's an opportunity for us to take our show on the road. But that's a conversation for another time. Like I said, we're here to talk about story. And that is something that you and I believe so strongly in, and I think that's why we do have such a connection. You have a very distinguished and multifaceted career faith, and so much of this has centered in story and the power of stories. Talk to us about your journey.
1: Well, let me start here. In 86, I had started my own company, a public relations company, while I was a teller at a local bank. My first client was an African-American beauty salon and beauty cosmetic line. And she was having a fashion show. So my job was to secure marketing, sponsors, donors, sell ads, and program book. And I had a chance meeting with the owner of WNOV Radio who asked me basically, how are you making money? And I said, oh, I'm selling ads. Well, I think from that point on, he took over the meeting and probably the rest of my future without me knowing about it. Mm -hmm. And so invited me to a meeting with coca-cola and said to me if i make this sale i'll give you the commission he made the sale of course he made the sale the sale was already done Mm -hmm. it was just a matter of formality at that point For that meeting with Coca-Cola and the president of the radio station. And I left there making $250, which in one day, in 30 minutes, which was my whole salary for the week at the bank. Mm -hmm. So I went in that morning and gave my notice because I got offered a job and I started at the radio station and within 90 days I was over at the Milwaukee Courier newspaper Mm -hmm. and from 1987 until now I've been in this space of communications media relations community engagement public relations launching my career with the Milwaukee Courier newspaper was everything It was everything. And it started me into this journey of not just becoming a storyteller, but becoming more empowered as a black woman and how I was fitting in or could fit in to the city that I was born and raised in and really be one of the people that helps to empower the African American community through storytelling. So
0: thanks so much for taking us back on that journey. And I did not have the privilege of knowing you back then, but you mentioned all of the things that you have done. And that's really why I use the word multifaceted because faith You are always out doing something. You're connected to so many different people. And the way that you connect with people is that you work really hard to be an advocate for people. I know you have so many mentees. You have so many young people who you have empowered. And so many of these young people, you are doing this because you believe so much so in representation. So in representation, in the stories that are being told about Milwaukee, but also representation for professionals, for people of color who are looking to enter the field. Why is that so important to you?
1: At the core, who I am, Becky, is connecting people. That is at the core. I just believe that if you have the answer, when someone comes to you with a question with a challenge, with an idea, they're sharing a part of you, of themselves rather, that they've been inspired some kind of way to do this. This is their gift. My gift is to connect them. And if they're coming to me, they have confidence that somehow I can help them along their journey. And so just sharing that information, being able to connect people really does grow community At first, it was just connecting people. I didn't learn how much growing community through those connections was happening. That takes time and maturity and reflection on yourself, not in a career spaces, if you will, although I was in a career space, it was just because I like helping people and I like seeing people smile and I like knowing that when they leave me, They've left better. They left with an answer. They left with some direction or some redirection. And that's been my gift. That's just been a natural gift that when I walk away from such an encounter, I just sit down most of the time. And this is honest. And I reflect and I just go, okay, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I know you gave that to me. I don't know how that came about. Just popped in my head. Okay. But it worked. And it was the answer. So, yeah. That... Being authentic and serving other people, whether it's in my own family, my immediate family or extended family, or in the community. And I love now that I'm at this age and point in my career, if you will, that all these young people are calling me and saying, yeah, I talked to so-and-so who's another young person. And they said, did you talk to Faith Colas yet? I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's you. <laughs> so that makes me feel good. And it just also reminds me that if for however many years that I was doing that, that I didn't understand that I had a purpose and that I had an assignment, when those young people reach out to me, I mean, they're serious. They got some stuff that's just incredible that my purpose is part of their journey, right? And so that makes me feel good that. I know that I'm fulfilling the reason that I'm here. You said such an important
0: word, connecting, connections. And that's what I think of when I think of you. And Faith, how do stories connect us?
1: How are we connected across stories? Well, I think as a human race. We are connected by stories because it reminds us of the commonality that we have. That's the first thing. The second thing is it can make you feel comfortable with someone that you don't know, right? Why I'm so passionate about telling stories of African-American people is because there's always this perception that we have to explain our humanness. So we're constantly having to show people that we're positive, that we want the same things that you want out of life, that we're good people that we're talented that we're intelligent that we're educated and as a woman that I'm smart that I can do this thing that I can even though most of the time I don't want to anymore multitask mm-hmm. but that I can you know that if you give me something I'll work really hard at it and so it is that connectiveness there that I'm saying to you my skin is a different color than yours But at the end of each day and the beginning of each day, I roll out of bed just like you. My feet hit the floor just like you. I'm looking for slippers or I might not have any just like you. I got to go and brush my teeth. I'm using toothpaste just like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there are all these things that we just take for granted that we're doing differently and we're not. We have great commonality. And by telling those stories about my people... I'm reminding you that we're important. I'm not leaving that responsibility up to someone that doesn't look like me to tell my story. That's the value of the black press. That's the black value of black media. And that's the value of black people and other people of diverse backgrounds being in mainstream media newsrooms, podcasts, social media, print, because... I can't leave it up to you to tell my story. As women, we can't leave it up to men to tell our stories. So we have to be at the center of all of that. And if the pandemic, if COVID hasn't shown us anything, it showed us one thing, how social beings, how much of a social being we are, that isolation is not cool. Right, right that we need each other, that even if we don't know each other, just walking down the street and being able to be in a place where you see people all around you, that is, like, critical to sanity. That's critical to our emotional and mental states. So we have to take time to pay attention to all the things that are going on around us, even when they're in different neighborhoods. Pick up an essence. You don't have to be a black woman to read Essence. You don't even have to be a black man to read Essence. You don't have to be a black person to read Ebony. I mean, we all read Time and Forbes, right? I've read Mademoiselle. I'm not a white woman, but there's still some things in there that can I can apply to my life. And there's some things in our magazines, in our lifestyles and our experience that can cause conversation with people that don't look like us and help appreciate our experiences and understand our positions here in this country. So
0: you mentioned the black press and and ensuring that there is representation in the media by people of color. I'd love to talk to you about someone special from your life, a man named Eric Vaughn for whom there is a fellowship at one of my favorite media outlets, which is WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR affiliate. Talk to us about Eric and what he meant to Milwaukee.
1: Well, I want to say that Eric Vaughn absolutely was the love of my life and my very best friend. And what he meant to this community is the same thing. He was this community's very best friend. And we love them and we still love him. And I don't just mean for African-American people. I just mean for people listening, for people that really want to make connections right, and have understanding and people in leadership in this town who really wanted to resolve challenges and people that really want to. Elevate Milwaukee Eric was one of the sounding boards He was one of the brilliant minds In this town that People sought after for Advice and direction And yes, it's like you WUWM is one of my favorites As well, I listen to it every day I love talk radio First of all, so that Was something that Eric and I Had in common, oh my god, he loved to talk I loved to listen (laughs) But I'm very happy about the fellowship that's been named after Eric because it speaks to his legacy, most definitely as a veteran in, as a veteran broadcaster for more than 25 years. What I love is that there are five individuals that got their start. They got a paid opportunity. To start their careers in broadcast journalism from diverse backgrounds, that's very difficult to do. It's very difficult if you are a person of color and you want to start in broadcast journalism or any form of media and you don't have experience. This Fellowship allows that to happen. And I am extremely grateful to the team at WUWM who had an opportunity to work with Eric and saw the value and felt and felt the void of him no longer being with us and wanted to fill that void. So the beauty is that five young individuals now are in broadcast journalism telling stories for WUWM from a diverse perspective. That's everything. That's everything. That's like total DEI in action. So when you were coming up in the
0: profession, who did you look to? Who inspired you? Did anybody look like you in the industry?
1: It's so strange because I didn't realize all that I probably should have realized trying to get into public relations. In high school, Becky, I wanted to be a photojournalist. Mm. So I went to John Marshall High School. I'm a graduate from MPS, a proud graduate of the Eagles. And... I was very excited in my sophomore year when I signed up for the photojournalism course. But by my junior year, I was told by the teacher that I wasn't, I didn't have what it took. Mm. And I was crushed. Do you need to sign up for something else? This is not going to work for you. But I had a creative writing class where I was getting A's in. And so I was conflicted and didn't understand, but I hadn't found my voice yet. So I didn't challenge it, right? And then again, now fast forward. That's uh, seventy eight. Fast forward to eighty seven when I'm in a newspaper atmosphere. And although I didn't start as photojournalist or even a journalist, I started as a salesperson on the sales team selling classified ads because I like to talk. <laughs> I could sell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> Try me. <laughs> So I worked my way up and got a chance to interact with photojournalists, write cut lines, write proposals, help do layout. And years later, I was the advertising manager, the associate publisher, the editor, and then the publisher. Uh huh. I wish I could have found that teacher and said, yeah, you were so wrong. So, so wrong. And so the black press, once I got in it, women like Ida B. Wells, I learned, I didn't learn about Ida B. Wells in school. No. I learned about Ida B. Wells at the Black Press. Everyone that I can think of in this town, male and female, in terms of Black media, they got their start at either the Milwaukee Courier, the Milwaukee Star Times, the Milwaukee Community Journal, the Milwaukee Times newspaper, WNOV, W.A.W.A., 1290 WMCS, that's where they got their start from, the black press. From there, they were able to launch their careers into other areas in mainstream media. So mainstream media should be very appreciative of the black press. There was no place else for us to go.
0: What is it like now when you look out and you see so many colleagues, peers, friends who are so successful?
1: Yeah, I'm thrilled and it's a blessing. It really is. Because these voices, they not only shape the news that we hear and see, but they help to shape those conversations that happen in the editorial spaces, in staff meetings. Sometimes you might be the only African-American voice in the room. But because of the unfortunate murder of George Floyd, there's a red flag and a radar that exists that will never be diminished again. Never, never. And it helps those men and women, even members of us in the black press, have a different kind of more authentic and transparent conversation than we had prior to then. Will you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I think it's because everybody was sitting down watching this murder happen globally because it was the pandemic. So we were all stationary and you heard about it and you saw it over and over. And so when you're the only African American in a space and you're trying to have a conversation about perception and our experiences with law enforcement that don't have the heart to be in the field and the industry that they're in, or when we tell you about our experience of walking through stores and people are following us just because of the color of our skin, it sounds like we're paranoid. Mm. It sounds like it's something that we made up. It sounds like you're being too sensitive, right? But Because you haven't had that experience as an African-American person, it's hard for you to pay attention. For example, when I walk into a store, when I put my purse in the buggy, I'm intentional about putting my purse in the buggy. If I'm going in my purse because I'm buying lip gloss and I don't remember the number on the back of the lip gloss and I want to... Compare it to what's on the shelf. I'm slow about my movement. I'm putting it up there because I don't want the people in the store to think because I'm black, I'm trying to steal something. Now that everyone has seen a horrific murder of George Floyd, they're listening more intently to African-Americans and other people from diverse backgrounds who have to live with these things every single day. You can't just walk in a store and be in a hurry. You got to walk in a store and be in a hurry and still think about how people are looking at you. That's a lot of extra layers. That's like anxiety on steroids, Mm -hmm. right? We live with that in everything we do. And so now we can have these conversations authentically and know that when you're listening, I'm more confident that you're really listening to my experience And you can be more sensitive. And now when we're really talking about how we're going to approach a story or how we're going to expand on stories about people of color, we're all at the table now, really. And we're all listening more intently.
0: I so appreciate you sharing that because that is not my lived experience. And you and I have such different lived experiences, but... I think that is really the heart of what we're talking about today, the power of story. It connects
1: all of us. It connects all of us. I mean, it helps you to understand what African-American men and women and our children go through. I've had a white female friend of mine say, I couldn't imagine having to have the talk with my son. I don't have a son. I have a grandson who isn't driving yet, but is in high school. And I anticipate that he will be driving at some point. But I do have a daughter. And when she started driving, I'd say to her, when you get pulled over, it's yes, sir. It's no, sir. Don't make any sudden moves. You put your hands on the steering wheel. If you are moving before the officer gets the car, you make sure you turn the radio off so you can hear and be heard clearly. Right, And I remember my daughter, on one of her first dates with a young man, he had his father's sports car. I didn't have a sports car. I had a Corolla. And he was taking her to a movie and like kids, they want to go to a late movie, right? And we lived in the city. The movie theater was in Wauwatosa. So the movie wasn't going to start to after 10 o'clock. And he pulls up in this sports car and I say, no, y'all going to take this Corolla, <laughs> Because I need you to get back home safely. I don't need you to have any attention drawn to you more than the fact that you are African-American and you're young people. And you're going in a theater that's in a community that there are not a lot of black people. So let's take it down a notch. Right. And if you have to have an experience There's just one less thing that we got to deal with. A flashy sports car. Where do you get it? Who are your parents? And get out of the car and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Let's not add to what could be a a challenging situation. Mm. Wow. Thanks for sharing that too, Faith. That's incredibly powerful and
0: certainly something I've never had to think about. I don't have a son. And I have, as I said, very different lived experiences than you. So thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. And to end here, we've been talking about story. What part of your story is not yet written? Well,
1: you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But as I think about what's next for me, a global presence is next for me. And I would love for that global presence to be where I'm traveling nationally and internationally. And I'm talking about the Eric Von Broadcast Fellowship. Mm -hmm. I'm recruiting fellows for the fellowship. I'm talking about people, giving them an opportunity to financially pour into this fellowship that's going to create an opportunity for more people of diverse backgrounds to tell stories from a diverse perspective
0: that's amazing i have no doubt that you will accomplish that let me know if you need a travel partner oh you got it i'm up to help you on that
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll have an entourage
0: i love that <laughs> all in the name
1: of the eric von
0: fellowship and yes. ensuring representation yes in the stories being told it's very important by people who are telling the stories mm-hmm. so faith thank you so much for joining you us today to here. talk about the power of story
1: you are welcome my pleasure
0: Thanks for listening to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. Be sure to catch all eight enlightening episodes. And don't forget to connect to On the Edge of Equity with Tammy Belton Davis, available wherever you get your podcasts.